This podcast has been made possible through funding from Fans for Diversity. Hi everybody, welcome to episode four of the Football vs Homophobia podcast. We're here today, me and Beatrice are here today with Natalie from Football vs Transphobia, so welcome Natalie. Hi there. <laughs> um, so we're going to start off um, just by getting a bit of a sense of who you are Natalie. Um, so do you want to just tell us about yourself, um, perhaps how you got involved with Football vs Transphobia and anything else that we should know about you? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so um, I'm Natalie, I'm a trans woman, uh, pronouns are she, her, and um, yeah, I um, I guess I got involved with homophobia and now football transphobia, I guess kind of, what was it, about three or four years ago, um, because, we may come on to this, but I was having a bit of an issue at the time trying to get permission to play football. Um, so I actually got in contact with Lou to try and find out, okay, how can I get some support in terms of a, a challenge I was having with the FA where um, I was kind of blocked, I guess, from playing football. Mm. Um, and from that, I've kind of got involved and realised what a you know, great campaign it is and um, been able to kind of help launch that will be transphobia as well, which I think is you know, a really important thing to try and raise awareness of the fact that transphobia is also a thing in football. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, we were going to go into that later on, but can you tell us now? Do you want? We might as well go into yeah. it. <laughs> um, can you tell us about the troubles you were having and why you were getting blocked, and then kind of what you did to resolve that? And I guess kind of tell us a bit about that story. Okay. I think I, I was at about four or five at the time, so I had to 
say otherwise it's definitely not a quick process no no it's not and and, uh, you know it's um it's important to stress that we're talking about grassroots level here so the level i play at is Mm -hmm. is hampshire division two um Mm -hmm. i played in hampshire division one and division three as well but when we're talking about tier seven eight nine of the women's football pyramid here yeah so club were really supportive throughout then they were kind of really supporting you to play at some point once the rules allowed it then yeah absolutely no I, I can't fault them they um so i mean i always stress it's a really important thing for trans inclusion is that when i reached out to the fire email to say like i said hey i'm a trans woman is it cool if i come down i don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable which probably if i was doing it now i wouldn't frame it quite the same way (laughs) when you're early on in transition there is a a temptation to almost live kind of apologetically Mm -hmm. which is a shame but i um i reached out asked them and they came back and said yeah yeah absolutely come down you know i I don't know the rules but we'll we'll, we'll sort that out later (laughs) which is great they knew i could train Mm. yeah that that sort of thing um Mm. and everyone was really welcoming and I expected some resistance I expected at least some people to maybe be a little bit weird with me but but no it was absolutely fine um and actually the shame was I couldn't play that season and mm. there were a couple of times during that season that we didn't have enough players and we had to concede games because mm. we, we couldn't feel the team which of course That's may not have happened had I been able mm. to play so I would say that like, quite the opposite of kind of trans women me about what you'd said before was um you know the length of time that people are having to wait you know you could just completely disengage and lose interest mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it, you could be really wanting to do it and then having to wait that long and jump through all those hoops you just could become so disheartened so quickly mm-hmm. and you know that's mm-hmm. such a disenfranchising thing for trans people who are wanting to play football yeah. wanting to get active yeah. wanting to seek the physical and mental health benefits from it you know yeah. i think it's just especially the impacts yeah. on mental health as well obviously we know that there's mm-hmm. there's so much uh, kind of a positive effect of playing sport and mental health and yeah to then have those additional barriers put in the mm-hmm. way when you want to play football and you've been inspired to yeah that must have been a really challenging period yeah I mean absolutely I mean, and there's you know there's a few sort of additional aspects to that as well I mean like you like you really correctly point out is that you know we know sport has a positive effect on mental health it's mm-hmm. um, you know the kind of the physical and the mental are inextricably linked aren't they but, mm-hmm. but also there's the social aspect social, I can never say it also there is the social isolation aspect to it yeah, and you know we know a lot of LGBTQ young people physically experience or older people as well experience a lot of social isolation 
but it kind of raises another couple of difficulties as well insofar as not every trans person wants to be out about their identity mm-hmm. uh, and of course if mm-hmm. I was a trans woman who was you know had, for example um, was living in stealth as people like to say um, mm-hmm. then I would have had to find another explanation to my teammates for why I couldn't play for 18 months yeah, um, yeah. Or, or I would need to quietly drift away and then come back later mm-hmm. and that's a challenge that in other respects, the policy is very good at safeguarding people's kind of right to privacy about their identity. But mm-hmm. it kind of does have this, this grey area with how, how do you explain why you can't play during that period of time? Mm-hmm. And I think it's also worth mentioning that not everyone will have that weight. So I don't mm-hmm. want to put people off just to make them think that it's always going to be that sort of weight. You know? yeah, yeah. For a lot of people, depending on the medication that you're on, um, you'll be able to play straight away if you've been on it for a year. So I was, and this will be probably familiar to a lot of trans women who may listen, but I was on something called spironolactone to begin with, which is a sort of testosterone suppressant. It's not really what it's designed for, but um, it doesn't have quite the same effect as the drug I moved on to, which is decapeptil, mm-hmm. um, which the way I describe it is it basically kind of nukes your testosterone level right now to really low level so I ended up with kind of like less than 0.5 nanomoles per litre of testosterone which oh, is wow. um, very very low like it's mm-hmm. below the typical female range mm-hmm. um, now a lot of trans women who are seeking medical transition or trans men people who are seeking medical transition will be on that straight away or okay. will have different ways of suppressing testosterone that mm. mean that they may not have that weight so I wouldn't want to scare people and make them think that they're always going to wait 18 months 12, 18 months mm-hmm. for a lot of people and a lot of trans women I've supported into getting into football mm. they can play straight away mm. so it's not always the case it's just um, you can fall through the gap sometimes if yeah, yeah, you yeah. your situation and I think it's important to just say here for anyone listening that we are talking about the English FA mm-hmm. aren't we oh, just are we Natalie yeah good and actually, like the SFA mm-hmm. uh, and different ones across the UK have different rules. Yeah. Um, do you, the I know the rules have changed recently with the FA. Do you know much about that, Natalie? Can you tell like listeners about the changing rules? So, as far as I'm aware, the the underlying policy elements that I've described at least in England, are still the case. I don't know if they've been more specific about testosterone level or anything like that now. What they have changed more recently is the guidelines around um, how clubs should behave and how inclusive clubs should be. And and I think they've, um, from what I've seen, done quite a good job with that. Um, Mm, I don't know what the Scottish FA have done. Um, I think the Scottish FA's policy may be different. As far as I'm aware, in Wales, the Mm-hmm. So rules around eligibility are the same as in England. Okay. Yeah, so I've got a bit of knowledge on this. Um, and I can jump in here and say about the Northern Irish FA. So I had a chat to them recently and they're actually in the process of writing a trans policy. They mentioned that they've looked at the um, English FA's policy um, kind of as a bit of a baseline example. So mm-hmm. um, obviously don't really have a sense of how that's going to look, but if they're looking at the England's mm-hmm. one, then hopefully it will be better or you know there's a kind of a a good start there anyway it can always be better but um they're looking at something in development at the moment the scottish fa have released their policy but 
Um, it's very challenging to find, I'm oh. going to say. So it's out there and they allow um, mixed football up until the age of 15 and then it's fairly similar to the, the FA's um, policy. Although, um, yeah, obviously there's a few kind of questions around what the testosterone levels are because I don't think they've um, been specified either. And then, yeah, FA Wales um, is probably not quite at the same level of, as the English FAs um, but that's more of a case-by-case basis over in Wales so we're still in a situation where every single country in the UK has got a very different mm-hmm. standard for trans inclusion trans participation which poses a challenge to be honest mm-hmm, definitely um, so taking it back a little mm. bit um, can you tell us about like where your interest in football started? Did you ever play as a kid, like when you were growing yeah. up, uh, or is it something that kind of developed uh, in your adult life? Yeah, it's a really interesting one actually because so when I was a child and I guess you know like pre teenage kind of years, I wasn't really into football, um, and I think I've always thought that my kind of interest in football coincided quite interestingly with my kind of realisations about being trans mm-hmm. um, and I think you know we're talking to give people an idea of time scale we're talking about kind of you know um, I'm 36 so but we're like good to, to let people kind of idea have an idea of where this fits in um, I sort of got into football around the time you were 96 because mm-hmm. football was all over the country at the time you know it was a really big social event it was that type of transition period from football being this kind of quite niche thing for um, a certain type of football fan to be quite a big mm. thing in society generally uh, mm. Sky Sports having them in the Premier League that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, so that was probably an aspect of it um, but also I think it was my realisation that I was supposed to be a boy and mm. I wasn't probably feeling like I was doing a very good job of that as society is expecting mm. me to do yeah. and so light bulb in my head went oh of course boys are supposed to play football and you know mm. this, this, this <laughs> you know, crazy <laughs> idea that you know genders are supposed to do certain things yeah. and so I, I guess I kind of forced myself to get into it that way um, and I was one of those kids that you know like um, I think I did like a football camp in the summer and ended up getting the Fair Play Award, which to the worst player kind of thing. So, so you know, I, was like, I wasn't very good. I wasn't. A na- I'm not kind of a natural. I hope you still got that trophy though. I don't know if I have actually. You know, I've, I've got. I've got a fair, a Fair Play Award. Maybe not that one. Um, but yeah, I kind of. You know, I, I forced myself to get into it, um, and then just played a lot and got. Kind of a tolerable level. I never played for a team as a kid, so I, I went and joined a couple of teams, um, and they always kind of gave me that. Oh, yeah, we're, we're not looking for players at the minute. Kind right, of yeah. um, and then we'd sign someone else next week. You know who was better? Mm-hmm. Um, until probably I got to university, so I was quite a jump forward. And but I um, I played a little bit at uni, but then when mm-hmm. I finished uni, I um, a couple of years after I got back, myself and some friends set up a Sunday eating, men's Sunday eating. Oh, yeah. uh, so it was kind of a like, motley crew of people that had been rejected <laughs> from other teams and weren't good enough. So we, yeah. we weren't very good, as you can imagine. <laughs> we actually got, got to be a reasonable side, although um, we never won anything. Uh, but then I, I, I stopped playing um, at the age of 20. 
27, 28, mm-hmm. um, because I knew I was going to transition, um, and I hadn't, well, I was pretty sure I was going to transition, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't feel that men's Sunday league football was an environment that I could do so safely, yeah. um, so I just yeah. quit, and, mm-hmm. and some of the people in that team were good friends, some they knew, and some of them weren't, there was no one mm-hmm. I could get on with, but so, so a, lot, a lot of people I I just didn't tell. I just kind of said I'm stopping playing because mm-hmm. I've got too much work and I haven't got the time. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, to be honest, at that stage, I, I kind of thought that was it for me in terms yeah. of football. I thought yeah. I won't be playing again because I didn't at the time feel like you know there was any space in women's football for trans women, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't feel like there was any space in men's football for trans people generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you and think I'm that was the thing around around visibility? Do you think that's just because you, you couldn't see people who were like you participating? Yeah, I think there was a lot of it. You know, I I couldn't see... Any, I mean, again, you know, it's amazing the difference that kind of six or seven years makes, whereas mm-hmm. even at that point in, in time, there was very little visibility of trans people at all in society, mm-hmm. let alone in sport. Uh, and and the trans women that you would see would still would, would be a very stereotypical type of kind of either hyper femme kind of um, mm-hmm. not a variety of like not people. not necessarily very sporty persona um, yeah. or or you know the kind of media tragic stories that you, that you would see and it, it didn't it, I couldn't see myself continuing to play sport mm-hmm. um, and actually you know what what I then did. Was, health reasons above all, all else was take up running mm-hmm. which I continued while I couldn't play football so I wanted to do something as a trans woman or trans woman undergoing medical transition you're kind of encouraged to, to keep fit because you know mm-hmm. they have quite stringent problematic but quite stringent weight requirements around access to surgery mm-hmm. and things like that so you're kind of encouraged to kind of keep weight down and obviously right. HRT, HRT can be problematic health wise if you don't keep yourself fit fascinating isn't it you know all these the different processes you had to go through different experiences stepping away from football Mm -hmm. yes it's you know I mean taking up running is definitely not an experience I would have doing that willingly but it's just fascinating to hear Mm -hmm. yeah you know the the, the journey you've had to go through the barriers as well you faced yeah and um I'm interested to hear you know growing up when playing football did you have any kind of role models that you were emulating in the playground or, you know, anyone that you looked up to, any inspirations? And, and has that changed, especially with you then saying that you felt like you would want to go back into football and the, the Canada World Cup and stuff? What what were your, who were your role models and what inspired you? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a really interesting one because I don't, I've always thought I don't have, um, just like, kind of, named role models as it were but there are aspects of I suppose there's two ways of looking at it actually there are aspects of different people's persona or like personality that I admire and kind of want to stimulate Mm. I guess Mm. as a child I suppose you do kind of like you know play football in the playground or whatever and say oh I'm I'm going to be so and so today but like I said I don't really have that kind of experience of playing football in the playground as a young child Mm. Um, as, as as a footballer I guess my um, yeah, who I've tried to emulate is 
changed quite a lot over the years purely because I've got older than the kind of things <laughs> I can do on the football pitches <laughs> um, I mean I always kind of looked up to kind of um, kind of quite um, what's the right word mercurial skillful players that don't have to mm. put in too much effort um, so like kind of your your Dimitar Berbatov type or like Kelly Smith in a women's conversation you these players mm. that just can do things with a football that like you can't Mm. can't imagine that people can do yeah. um, but I'm not quite good enough to do that so I was more <laughs> of a kind of a run around a lot type of player um, but then but then now I, I can't run around so much um, so <laughs> I, kind of, I have to be a little bit more careful about that so yeah I guess yeah, it's, it's but from a from a non-footballing perspective or at least a non-playing mm. perspective I, it's a really interesting question because I didn't used to have um, as much awareness of the other side of the sport but now I see actually in terms of what's the kind of person I want to be in football I want to be I want to be a visible role model for trans people trans women specifically in football so Mm. I kind of I look up to um, people who role model um, or who are visible representatives of kind of marginalised or oppressed groups in football so you know I'm really inspired by different level to me but I'm really inspired by for example the, the way that someone like Raheem Sterling speaks out about racism in football and yeah. you know, he's fearless mm-hmm. about the way that he knows he's going to get criticised heavily in the press mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know um, there are lots of you know, people like um, Casey Stoney being visible yeah, LGBT yeah. you know, women in, in, in football uh, stuff like that is really inspiring about how people can really make a difference by mm-hmm. being um somebody visible that you know will inspire people you know, younger younger people to, 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 be, to get into the sport as well mm-hmm. and similarly I think something that's really important and gets often overlooked is <clears throat> we don't have a lot at the moment but um, but there are a couple of kind of like uh, there's, there's a, a guy called Luke Tuss who coaches um, a team in uh, one of the sort of local men's leagues out here and it is an out gay man and I think it's really inspiring that there are out gay coaches as well and they're mm-hmm. quite like the women's game obviously you know we've had England managers you know. but um, yeah, yeah. it's really inspiring to see that because you know coaches can be really transformative for people's footballing experiences yeah, or sporting experiences yeah. generally and mm-hmm. to have them understanding the you know the, the struggle of being an LGBT person in sport mm-hmm. is really important as well mm-hmm, definitely yeah, and it's like the famous people who are doing amazing work and being good role models, but also the people on the ground in your local mm. clubs. And yeah. I think that's really powerful as well. Like people who uh, young people and children can look up to and can mm. see that they're being positive around it, whether they're an ally or whether they're like queer themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's like really special. And we literally can't go an episode without talking about people using their platform <laughs> to be political. We like talk about um, mm. Megan Rapino mm. every week. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And but it's so important, isn't it? Because mm. if you know, people could kind of put their identity on one side and say, "I'm just going to be a footballer," and that's perfectly mm. valid. You know, yeah. we shouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. Um, oppressed people in, in positions where they have a platform to do that mm-hmm. but when they feel that they can it's mm-hmm. so transformative for you know, people who share that dimension or whatever because yeah, it, really is. It's, it shows them it's possible and it shows that you can mm-hmm. and, 
and they, you know, like you say, they've got a platform to, mm. to at least ask for a change. You know, they can't always necessarily make that change, but they can demand it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think um, when we last saw you, it was a few weeks ago now, wasn't it, at the Football vs. Homophobia Awards. Um, obviously, that's a really good example of where local people on the ground yeah. were doing some fantastic work. And I think we all walked away quite invigorated mm-hmm. after it, didn't we? You know, just hearing all of these different things that were going on and actually being able to be in a space where we could be positive about all of that and celebrate just the breadth of um, good work that's been going on. And I think, you know, all of those people at the awards and everyone who was nominated, they are role models, they're leaders, they're activists in their own way, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. Helping to, yeah, to shape yeah. the game. And I think it's really, it's really cool to see when it's, um, kind of like grassroots local organisations or kind of community football clubs and stuff like that because you know when it's a community football club or something that's doing something mm. really great about LGBT inclusion there's mm. probably one or two people at that club who are really driving it and they're kind mm. of they're probably a volunteer and they're yeah. probably putting kind of a lot of their heart and soul and hours of weekends and evenings into that and it's great to be able to recognise that because it shows mm. other clubs that they could do the same thing definitely um, so so Kind of, we've we've had the month of action. February, um, February's football versus homophobia month of action has been and gone to a huge amount of success. I think we've kind of got loads of events, and we'll certainly be doing a roundup of it all because there's yeah. so much going on. Um, March, we've got the football versus transphobia week of action. Um, this was um, the first one was launched last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, and you were heavily involved with that, weren't you? What was your what, how was the planning of it and you know what's your engagement with it and and what were your thoughts about it how did it go yeah so i mean we um yeah like you say it was the first one last year and i guess you know, this was one of the things that kind of like when lou was asking me if i wanted to get involved with football be homophobia and if it would be transphobia was you know, one of the things we talked about is something that, that we could do as an organization um and um again it just kind of goes to show like how far We've come in a sense in the last five or six years that we talking about transphobia as a distinct thing from homophobia is mm. which we should be, although they're very related. Yeah. Um, it's great to have this kind of separate space to talk about it and talk about the slightly different challenges, although, like I said, many, many related ones as well. Uh, so last year it was, I think we started, you know, quite um, sensibly with actually kind of just trying to centre some trans people and talk about their experiences. So we did a bit of a campaign where we got um, we essentially profiled some trans people in sport mm-hmm. um, and shared that across social media and I think it went down really well and actually mm-hmm. we found yeah. that as we had a, a bunch of people lined up and as we shared it I think we found more people, more trans people in sport mm-hmm. got in contact and wanted to share their yeah, stories as well so we ended cool. up with quite a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was really heartened to see was just the the breadth of experience and mm-hmm. diversity amongst that group of people in, in lots of different ways as well. So one of the frustrating things when we talk about trans people in sport, and I perhaps fall into this trap as well myself, is we always end up talking about trans women. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. the media drives this narrative that is always about yeah, trans women. Yeah. You know, trans women are hyper visible, and trans mm-hmm. men and non-binary people tend to be erased. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great to see we actually had quite a lot of people reaching out and saying they were involved who were other genders other than um, the trans women, which is mm-hmm. great because you know it serves to even remind me sometimes that just actually there are a lot of those people involved, mm-hmm. um, and they don't necessarily get the attention that, that they deserve and, and involved in coaching and playing and refereeing and administrative 
important um, positions that people need to be represented in and not, not just plain. Mm, the other thing that I was kind of really, really pleased with was just how positive everyone was about it in terms of talking about their experiences. You know, we didn't get, and that's not to say these experiences don't exist because I know they absolutely do exist, but we didn't get lots of people talking about how they'd been completely prevented from playing or they'd been rejected or they'd experienced loads and loads of abuse, which is one of these things that I know as a trans person going into sport, you're terrified that you're just going to get abused on the pitch every week or that if you're a coach then no one will take you seriously these are things mm-hmm. that I know people worry about and that's not what people were saying and I guess it's a self-selected group and people who maybe have those experiences maybe don't want to talk about it and I hope that they will feel confident to talk mm-hmm. about it as this mm-hmm. progresses because we, we need to hear that side of things so that we can change but um, it was just really heartening to see that people were feeling happy about being involved feeling empowered to be involved in the sport yeah, really yeah. Lovely. and it just changes the, sorry it changes the narrative <laughs> doesn't it on the the media focus yeah. around mm-hmm. participation exactly. it's it's so positive to see that side mm-hmm. of the story yeah no that's I was just going to say the same sorry mm-hmm. Natalie <laughs> that's one of the things I love about it is because it is kind of taking back that space in, from the media narrative which is all around trans people as a threat and trans mm, people yeah. as kind of ruining sport to saying actually you know like people are just here enjoying sport and enjoying being active and enjoying the social side and it's just you know it's just people wanting to live full lives and that's really what it's about it's not about um you know the the elite sports question is a tiny tiny percentage of the Mm, kind of the relevant aspects of trans people in sport we don't need to over index on that conversation (laughs) yeah exactly and i think that um, you know, like you said, it's important to tell those negative stories mm-hmm. because that's the best way to create change. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To have people hear those stories and mm-hmm. feel moved by it and want to make a difference. Um, but there's just something, there was just something really nice about last mm-hmm. year's campaign that was actually, I'm a person that loves playing football and I want to talk about that and, you know, it's okay to just be like, oh, I just had a really nice time playing football and I love football and I'm passionate about football. Do you know what I mean? And it's that thing that connects everyone, isn't it? You know, that's that's why everyone wants to play football and it's just nice to highlight that this group of people want to play football for the same reason. It's it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Really, really good to, to show that story. Exactly. So, Natalie, can you tell us what you're looking forward to for this year's Week of Action? And bearing in mind that this will probably come out during the Week of Action so you can give away <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Closely guarded secrets. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this year's actually. So there's going to be some really cool stuff. So um, I guess one thing, so again, one of the things we want to be doing is kind of doing a bit of social media campaign around uh, what are the things that um, getting trans people's experiences sport, what are the things that people have done, you know, other players, clubs, coaches, you know, organisations, whatever, what are the things that they've done that have helped trans people feel safe? Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll be hearing from a bunch of trans people saying, you know, I went and played for my local team and they did this and it made me feel welcome. Or mm-hmm. I went to go and watch the, you know, uh, football league club that I support and I saw this sign and it made me feel like it was a welcoming environment to trans people or something like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully going to be hearing from those sorts of things, which I think is really important because it gives people some tangible things that they can go away and do to make places attract people. Yeah, best practice is so yeah. good. Especially uh, when it's just like a sentence of, mm-hmm. you know, actually putting up a sign or, you know, making sure that there's announcements that go out. And sometimes, you know, it's you feel as though it's a bit too small and, you know, there's there's a lot more that you can be doing. <laughs> but it just then breaks it down to say, actually, it is really small actions yeah. that you need to do. And, you know, keep putting them in and there's more, many of them to do. But mm-hmm. it's not a big complex thing yeah. to make people feel included. And we know that hearing from real life people telling their real life experience mm-hmm. has such a bigger impact than yeah. us just saying, oh, mm-hmm. here's what you could be doing yeah. to be better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it has the dual kind of benefit that it then hopefully inspires trans people seeing that to say, okay, great, this trans person's had a good experience, maybe yeah. I can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, so, definitely. Yeah. And we've got a bit of a viral campaign that we want to launch, haven't we? <laughs> Yes, yes, well, we shall certainly try. So, yeah, we're calling it Bin Transphobia. <laughs> uh, so, so, get on your social media and, and hashtag Bin Transphobia. And what we want people to do is kind of film a video, uh, which hopefully should be entertaining, um, <laughs> them either successfully or at least attempting to get a football into a bin, um, potentially, potentially do a trick with the football, flick it in the air, head it into a bin, you know, volley it into a bin, back it into a bin or whatever. But the idea is the football goes into the bin uh, and we're bidding transphobia. And then, you know, I guess the more creative the method of getting the ball into the bin, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the better. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I spent some, some quality time the other day trying to kind of get a bin, get a ball even. Um, <laughs> I'll start again. I spent some quality time the other day trying to get football into a bin in my back garden. Uh, I managed it a couple of times. I, I don't know how great they look because I'm not, like I said, a particularly uh, tricky player. But um, yeah, so we're hoping that lots of people will engage with that, and mm. you know, we'll see some really creative, um, fun ideas from people that you know, mm. trying to get the ball into the bin somehow. But you know. There's no rules as to how you do it, so like, my <laughs> wife doesn't really play football very much, so she just threw it into a bin. Anything to lend your support is, is, is most welcome. <laughs> so that'll be under hashtag bin transphobia, and obviously on the hashtag um, SBT2020. Yeah. Well, we, well, we tried ours, didn't we? We were just yeah. doing ours today. Many attempts were made. It was very <laughs> amusing. I ended up just splicing together a video of me throwing it and a video of it because there's. Li- don't, don't, don't tell people that. I know because <laughs> it looks really realistic, Natalie. So you know you'd never guess that I'd edited it. Yeah. Well, yes. I did feel very satisfied when mine finally went in the bin. <laughs> Walk back in with a great sense of pride. <laughs> it, it is very satisfying. I think it's just difficult enough that you get a sense mm. of satisfaction from doing it. Yes, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so anyway, we can give people that feeling. <laughs> Getting involved. So, anything yeah. else you want to tell us about the week of action? So, I mean, there's a couple of other bits uh, in there as well. So, we got. Um, hopefully, we're getting some. Uh, some really cool football v transphobia shirts that mm. uh, you might see around yeah. uh, social media that was in a sneak preview and they're, they're looking really good so hopefully we'll mm-hmm. see that really cool. um, so keep, keep your eye out for those I'm very much looking 
platforms for you though. And again, mm-hmm. that's just one of those things that like seeing the kind of the sample of that made me think, you know, just how far even the time I've been playing football it's come that, you mm-hmm. know, I, I was I wasn't first and I wasn't the only trans woman playing football then at all. There's been loads for decades. Mm-hmm. But um, just seeing the visibility of it and to the point now where like, you know, seeing the, the trans flag on a on a football shirt is, is really quite something. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. quite a quite a quite a cool feeling. It was quite powerful, um, isn't it? I remember yeah. seeing the trans yeah, yeah. and I was like, Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> yes, yeah, brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And then um, we're expecting some kind of you know events and things to go on during the week. We've heard mm-hmm. from some football clubs that will be organising some events. Yeah, I'm really. hopefully going to be able to go to a couple of them, which hopefully we'll see all over social media as well. Yeah. But um, some some football clubs, some different organisations are planning some, some really cool stuff to mm-hmm. to mark the week, which obviously is, is timed as such for the trans day of visibility. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it should, should, be, should be lots on there. So, I mean, people can kind of check out our social media channels and so on for it mm. but yeah it, it will be on the hashtag fbt 2020 so. yeah that's no, really exciting we're, we're looking forward to it aren't we there's lots lots yeah. going um in the, the planning and lots lots to look forward to um natalie so what's next for you in football are you gonna still play kind of keep eking out your playing career a bit longer <laughs> coaching refereeing would you go down that route what what do you want to do next so I'm, 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 one of the things about the level I play at is there's actually some really good kind of like role models of people who carry on playing for quite a long time. Mm. Um, so we have a couple of players who are over 50 playing oh, at awesome. my club, um, which is great. And you know, one of them is a goalkeeper, one of them is a centre midfielder. So if she can keep going over 50, then I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure my knees will allow it, but we'll see. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm intending on playing for a while longer I think we've got an opportunity to, to really grow as a football club as well and play at a slightly higher level so we'll see, we'll see, mm. see about that but I think um, I'd like to get involved in some of the other aspects of the game as well so I mm. kind of I quite like the idea of doing a bit of coaching mm, um, yeah, quite, I quite like um, again you know I kind of I manage people in my day day jobs anyway mm. so I kind of like I kind of like trying to lead people whether mm. I'm successful at it is a different question but um, but that kind of like trying to pass on experience and expertise mm. mm-hmm. even though I kind of started quite late I've been supposed to play football for, for quite a while now mm. um, and I quite like the idea of doing that awesome. and again you know I feel like if I can be a, a role model for someone then that's great and you know if this okay. you know a trans kid comes along at a football club that I'm at and mm. they see I'm there and it's kind of like I, I hope that helps somebody feel a little bit safer to, to be themselves so that yeah. you know I always have this idea that you know like my success criteria is more trans people so at work like I try to be really, really open about it and my success criteria is that there's another trans person in my office you know and that, that's yeah. kind of the way yeah. I look at it's, it's not recruiting I know people like <laughs> Um, it's just letting people, you know, feel safe to be themselves. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I'll, I, like I'll, I will probably try and do some coaching, but it's it's tricky. And this is one actually the challenges with the women's game, isn't it? Is that everything's on Sundays? So the yeah. high level, you know, the top level games are on Sundays. The grassroots games yeah. are on Sundays. A lot of the um, the initiatives to get girls into football are on Sundays. Mm. So it's quite hard for people to do both. Um, so often people have to make a choice. But mm. I'll, I'll do what I can. Mm. And then obviously I want to keep doing things like football be homophobia, football be transphobia, because it's just 
it's inspiring to be involved with and it's it's really rewarding to to see the difference it can make Mm, that's definitely good to hear yeah (laughs) (laughs) amazing well any any last thoughts any perhaps messages you kind of like to to give out anything we perhaps haven't touched on um it's okay to say no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking time. I guess I, I would say, in case there's any sort of trans people in sport generally listening, um, so one of the things I've been trying to do is get trans people who are involved in sport in some way, and it, so it doesn't have to be playing, it can be coaching, refereeing, umpiring, administering, whatever. Um, I've been trying to get people connected. So if anyone um, is a trans person in sport and wants to be connected to some other trans people in sport, get in touch with me. Mm. I guess put my name in the description because I'm trying to get as many of us into a network as possible so that we can kind of be connected and share challenges so that people don't have to be always feeling like they're the first person to have a battle with a governing body about whether they can play or whatever. There's probably yeah, someone who's yeah. had that battle before and has been forgotten about, and so yeah. we can kind of get connected on that. But I think that's an important thing for people to do, to have that kind of um, network they can turn to for a bit of support on that. Because mm. um, there are organisations, obviously like you know, SVT in some sports, but there aren't in all. Um, yeah, and not sure. everyone wants to be open about that so mm. get in touch with me if there is anyone that's, that's struggling with that or has got something to share and um, get you connected thanks so yeah. much that's, that's really, really positive cool. message to end on and we'll definitely put whatever yeah. way is best for you mm. uh, to be contacted in the description so if anybody yeah. does want to reach out then they yeah. know how to awesome. and that's really really cool plan it's good to hear about it because yeah. yeah those networks are crucial aren't they yeah, yeah and, and it's really cool because through doing so I've got in contact with quite a large number of and it's UK focused but quite a large number of trans people who are in sport and it's great to see that there are so many people there represented mm-hmm. across lots of sports and they're just kind of getting on with it mm-hmm. um, and it's just you know it's great to have someone a go-to person in very good sports to mm-hmm. find out what's going on yeah definitely so I guess for our trans week of action message Trans people are out there, they're playing, they're coaching, they're refereeing, they're volunteering, you know, trans people are in sport, um, they're not going to go away, and we're, we're going to promote that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, thanks very much, Natalie, it's great to, great to chat and hear your thoughts, hear your experiences as well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, mm. and um, I hope me and Beatrice didn't, you know, <laughs> talk over you too much, or <laughs> I hope I didn't talk over you too much. No, yeah. thank you for having me on. It's, it's a it's a it's a really good um, really good insightful podcast. Actually, I think you know it's it's um it's great to have a space to be able to talk about these topics in a bit more length. So mm-hmm. thank you. Cool. Well, thanks so much and uh, yes, speak to you soon. So, if you want any more information, you can find us at www.footballvsthomophobia.com. We're also on Twitter, um, at FVH Tweets. We're on Facebook and you can just search Football vs Homophobia and you'll find us. (laughs) (laughs) And we're also on Instagram at football underscore v underscore homophobia. So you'll be able to find us there. And use the hashtag um, FVH2020 and we'll see all of the stuff you post. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And see you next month. Bye. Bye.